Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another brand new episode of the Top Row Podcast. I'm your main man, the big guy, the big host, Shizlansky, aka Blackheart, aka Hollywood Hogan himself. And of course, I'm not by myself, but we are a little short side today. So we got two of the fellow OTTR members. We got Big Show, and then we got Kevin Nash over here in the cut, like Fredo Santana. And today's episode is brought to you by my nutsack, not a soul player. <laughs> this episode, this episode is brought to you by um, the uh, the Anchor Platform Podcast. Well, so we're going to give a special shout out to them uh, for help making our podcast possible. Give us a platform to make our podcast, Author Shot World Podcast. If y'all want to support us everywhere, until you look up the hashtags OTTR. Hashtag off the top ropes, hashtag off the top rope podcast, hashtag support local podcasts, and also hashtag support OTTR. Um, any other hashtags that I miss, please let me know because I know me, I'm know me, I got too much stuff already, like already going around my head nowadays. And also, I want to give a special announcement that now officially we are on SoundCloud. So now you can check us out at SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash off the top row podcast. You'll see us there. So as we're slowly putting our product on the dead database, it's going to take us a little while to try to get all of it done. So we're going to do it piece by piece. So bear with us, folks. So um, let me introduce the guys. So boys, you know, y'all know the routine. Y'all introduce yourselves and let them know. What y'all doing? What y'all been up to, man? What's up with y'all? Shit, man. Just enjoying another day. I mean, staying off my quads. I try not to tear them today. I have to just take a break. My doctor said, Kevin, man, just lay low. (laughs) So, my legs are on quarantine. <laughs> Two big asses doing back there. Um, I'm just finished up set of uh my of the Netflix um show I was doing. Thank y'all um to Rakishi, you know, the big ooze. Um, Meg, Meg Foley, Hardcore, Henry. We all like to sing together and eat shrimp. Um. My, um, I can honestly say, say that um, I should be retired by now, but I don't know why I'm still wrestling. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that. I'm trying to figure that for for the ever God and sake of me. Um, I I might be doing a comeback special for the NWO um next year. So look out for that. I'm going to start to it. I, I had to do it. <laughs> wow. Come out before a, you get to And I'm talking about coming out with a new um, TV show. It's called <laughs> Big, Big, Big Show. <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. We'll move forward from that. Um, so, basically, y'all know what today's episode Today's episode, we're going to be, um, we analyze and we're going to talk about the Dark Side of the Ring episode that premiered Tuesday night. 
of the untold story of the UWF and its chairman and once owner, I mean late owner, excuse me. Um, um what was his name? What was Adam? What was his last name? Her, he her was Herb Abram. Abram. Herb Abram. Okay. Yeah, kept calling Herbie's in my man in my mind. Okay. You know, Herb Abram in the story in the story of uh, the UWF. Now, for those for now, those for those that don't know what the UFF was, the UFO, the UWF was another independent promotional um, wrestling company by her by her Abram, um, a fellow Jewish. We well because of his background, we don't really know what he really did for a living. A lot of people who documented for the series gave their different perspectives of what he was doing on the side. Like, how is he really making this money? Um, so I dub him as a con artist. I'm sorry. He's just a, he's just a show yep. con artist that just knew the right people, rubbed up against the right elbows, and be able to get whatever that he needed to get done to get done. Um, so this promotion was brought up in the late 80s to early 90s. Now, he was trying to be as big as Vince McMahon in the WWF back then. But he had a meeting with Vince, and Vince shut him down. So he had this chip on his shoulder, the same way how Eric Bischoff had the chip on his shoulder for Vince after his interview in 1990 with Bad. Uh, and then he goes on to work for WCW, and he becomes this whole figure authority phase that wants to stick it to Vince, especially during the Monday Night War. Similar thing to Herb Abram in the UWF. This was pre now, this was pre actually era, folks. This was way back in the 90s where it was still the cartoon gimmicky character that was still on the TV screens. Hulk Hogan was still running wild. Um, Ultimate Warrior was still trying to bake with the money. And Marshall Savage and Randy Savage was actually still a pretty top tier guy before he retired. Now, the deeper story of this was people who didn't want to go to WWF chose to go to the UF, I mean, to the UWF because they felt that they have the creative freedom to wrestle the style of wrestling that they want and, and get over with the fans. But more importantly, I just think they just wanted just a whole different environment before before going over to WWF or certain or certain superstars that left WWF to go to UWF. I'm kind of surprised with the whole Andre, the Andre Giant um, signing, I was like, really? You signed him in 1990 when he was actually like dwindling down on his peak of his years, and you paid him, I guess, God knows how much money, and then somehow Vince calls him, offer him a better money deal, he came right back. So that bled a lot of money out of the UWF. But besides that, they they were starting to build their core. We've seen Cactus Jack, we see Paul Order, we see Paul Ordendorf. Um, there's a few WWE legends that were in that company for a short for a short period of time, and you see these new and then you see these new people for different independents that want to go there to try to get a big name out of themselves, a big star. Um, Stevie Adams was his name. Oh no, I mean no, excuse me, Stevie Ray. He was uh, he was another person. He was another former wrestler for that company that they uh, that they document an interview for. Um, Basically, Herbie promised him that he would be a star and try to get up there and working on the TV deal. What they had a TV deal in place, but they would bleed their hemorrhage and enough money. Now, picture this: imagine back then in the '90s, how much would it have been to run a show? It definitely wouldn't be no hundreds of dollars. We're talking about like hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
Yeah. So, <clears throat> the type of money that only Ted Turner, Vince McMahon, and a few higher up companies would even have to put on their programming per se. Herbie didn't have anything. He was flying by from the skin of his damn teeth. Now, behind the scenes, oh, this man was a cokehead. He was a whore finesse. He was he was the type of he 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 was the type of guy that most niggas is was do is doing now except substitute cocaine for marijuana instead and liquor bottles. That would be his life, and he was still around in this day and age. But sadly, because of different different approaches to the story of how his passing was. And um, early June of 1996, he passes away. People were saying because of cardiac arrest or, his, um, or a drug overdose or basically he, just, basically he just had enough and basically did it intentionally to have his heart stopped. Now, but his, um, his memory still is on to the certain people that were actually in the company, especially one of his partners. One of his partners or one of his advisors was hurt the most because that was like his best friend. And imagine losing like a best friend like that, that you're like, yo, he's he's doing this, but he's making this thing happen. And most importantly, the whole moral of the story is people who are go-getters are just going to go and get it. Any means necessary. It doesn't really take a plan for them to really make this dream into a reality, per se. But Herbie Ombres did it. He and he did it on his own terms. Yeah, he made a con like Paul Heyman did to several of his ECW superstars, but they stayed committed to them before his Satami death. And then when Satami death happened, the whole the whole company folded. So to really go into that was like imagine if UWF ended up turning into like an ECW or turning into another WCW or got bought up by WCW. And would incorporate that talent in that roster, in that production team, and you have a, um, her Abram also as like a producer per se. Would it be a success? Would it be a failure? I can't tell. But from the way I would look at it, if you did like a whole fancy thing, like imagine a WWE, WWF, like I said, went their own way, didn't want nothing to do with him, but he went to WCW, who was also on a money cringing moment and different owners and different producers and um different bookers were coming in and coming out like a revolving door for that company so it wasn't a stable environment for them too imagine that company got swallowed by wcw and you know, ted turner we could have seen a whole different product back then that we didn't see i would say 1991 1992 but because of this, now, if we go back, now the difference between WWE and the UWF is that they have key, the, they have not only the TV deal, but they have the pay-per-view buyout rates and deals as well. Herbie, in one of those, inter- I mean, I mean, uh, in one of those pay-per-views that he needed so bad, so bad to the point where he was selling the pay-per-view for $14.95. $14.95 on the black box. And in you know, then live and in person, that sellout didn't do so well that it only had like what two hundred people. So that can pay per view that bass at the beach was considered a bust, a big bust. That company should have went under that very same day, but somehow they still kept going and flying out the shit in their pants. Plus, more importantly, he was a big comic because if y'all would have noticed at the very end of the scene. How um, how he was trying to 
pay these wrestlers, but they couldn't find the money that they mean they had to do it. But somehow he has another account separated from the wrestler booking account to pay the wrestlers. He had tons of money in his own account. So was he embezzling all this money throughout the years? Like, what else was he doing on the side to put away so much money that you're blowing it on hookers and cocaine? And you're going on the mean drug binge for years to when the stories of him chasing hookers down the street naked with a baseball bat or him running away from the cops. Like, oh, the cops are going to try to He's paranoid. His whole life was basically him looking over his shoulder, but he's going to get it in when he had to. But the way that he got led up to some demons. The demons cost him his life. Now, I, don't necessarily, I, don't know, I don't necessarily know when he, like, how old that he died or how old he passed away, but to die of a drug overdose like that, I'm tapped out. Especially like it's like coke or heroin, whatever the fuck the stronger drug is out there nowadays or back then, it still simmers me to how someone who's probably was smiling in your face but behind closed door, they're like they're like Polly Archie, the sad clown. We may never know what goes on to a person's head until they speak and talk about it. There's only probably two people on this earth that knew him better than any one of them knew. And that's just sad. That's just really sad. And, and I mean, I know if you look at how people nowadays, like the hustlers, the street, the hustlers, the street, the street corner kids, um, the gangsters, and all that stuff, and how they get, they live in the, they, they live in a similar replica lifestyle of his, where it's all about weed, money, booze, women. Shit, man, they might actually take you too far with the whole Xanax and perks and shit. You know, stuff like that can really fuck up someone's life or really fuck up a body to the point where you're not the same anymore, physically, mentally, and spiritually. So I don't know what goes on. I don't, I don't know. I didn't know what go what went on in his head. Oh, the, all I see was all I seen was he was just a gold getter that just want to stick it to Vince. The same way how we see every Bischoff and Ted Turner stick it to Vince. The same way how we try to stomach seeing TNA and Jeff Jarrett. Um, and Dixie Carter, my God, that fucking cunt, tried to stick it to Vince. Oh, yeah. To stick it to Vince. <laughs> and that didn't fucking work. And now we're seeing all these other promotions, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Major League Wrestling. We see, of course, All Elite Wrestling. We see all these other different companies that's trying to pull up better products of their company and uh, all professional wrestling to show Vince McMahon we can take some of your stars that you didn't see potentially, and we can make them into stars ourselves. Maybe you don't have to eye the way that you once was. Maybe he didn't see the vision the way that Hubie was trying to present it to him in that first meeting back then in 1990. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But it's always it's always good to have people like that that want to stand up for themselves, to stand for what they believe in, and they rather die on their feet than live on their knees. So I actually got to give him praise for that. But I didn't give him praise for how you try to achieve all the other stars um, in that company and you pocket for yourself for your own binging moments at home. You know what I mean? And that's like me bringing y'all to my crib and I got a bunch of strippers in my fucking room and then I'm doing heroin at the same time. It don't look right. And you and I will associate with me afterwards. And that's how I kind of felt with 
some of the people in that organization at the time, maybe they could have walked away because there was too much invested into the guy. Like the guy attached to him because he was their he was their meal ticket to try to get somewhere. You know what I mean? So just you know, just me looking at this, and I watched this thing four times. So each and every time I watch it, I always get a different perspective. From maybe if I'm looking at it from his point of view, from Herbie's point of view, maybe I might look at it from his right hand man's point of view, um, to the top wrestler of the company at the time's point of view. And most importantly, from a fan point of view, you know, you give a whole different web of different different theories and thought process that some of this information that we had to watch, I couldn't stomach it. I mean, some of it, not all of it. But you just got to admire the man for trying, even if he had the con, but we said the same thing about Paul Heyman. And those people, the true ECW originals, they stayed with that man. Even when he was bouncing checks on them. The same thing could have happened, the same thing could have happened in this case. But they decided to stay. And then you look at them later. They, and, and they end up going to either back to WCW or going to WWF, whichever one. Or even going to New Japan Pro Wrestling. There were still other companies that were still around at that time period that after UWF had closed, they could have went somewhere else. Why so why so why did they so why did so why did they stay? You know, so if I was them, like I'm gonna if I would have seen a sinking ship, I'm jumping off this fucking boat. I'm I'm trying to make sure that myself is straight. Fuck the rest of them. But if you're but if you're most invested in the person and like you believe in the dream, you believe in that ability that they can really bring this company from nothing to something, you're gonna ride with them to the very end. So credit credit with his due. God rest his soul. Um, because it's been over 20, 24 years since his passing. You know, sadly to say. Um, matter of fact, his his anniversary, I think, is coming up within another month. Which kind of making more eerie and spooky because it brings back a lot of memories of one other person that we can't talk about because of his backlash for what he's done to his family. It's coming up next month as well. So I'm gonna just end it at that. Anyone y'all can have the floor. But the one thing I gotta say about this is thank you, WWE, for making all these other promotions want to stick it up their ass and say, you know what, we may not like your style of professional wrestling, so we're going to come over here and we're going to bring it back to the essence. And this is why we got the many companies that we see right now, in this day and age, doing their thing and still surviving. I don't see any of these other companies releasing their employees, producers, writers to protect their financially and shit. We just want to see one major company do that, WWE. And you're making billions of dollars. You're making billions of fucking dollars and you're cutting people, you're cutting people, you're firing people. Yeah, you know I mean, you're sending them home through this whole pandemic and shit. I don't see AEW doing that and they only been open for business for more than a year. They ain't cut off anybody. Impact mm-hmm. too. So I hate to say it, it's like, yo, it's like you can't get down with WWE's way, then you're nothing to them, and then they mean they're going to try to blackball you for going anywhere the fuck else. That's what's bad. So screw you, fuck you, WWE, just because of that shit. 
But thank you at the same goddamn time because you brought us diehard fans to all these other companies that we've been searching for for the last 10 years. So thank you for that, motherfuckers. Suck my dick and die. I'm done. Mm. One of y'all can have the fucking floor after I spark up. I'm done. Um, yeah. Very solid points. Some Hollywood shiz. Um, I will say majority of, uh, the personal dark stuff has been addressed just now, so I'm not going to reiterate. So I'm just going to go ahead and point out the things that kind of caught my attention and what I personally think of this whole thing. And herbs. Um, for one, when I look and listen all I kept saying in my head was, this is a story of a man that cracked under the pressure. You know what I'm saying? And I get that you try to make a deal with Vince and you get rejected. And, and there was one word that I had in my head when I heard that was vendetta. Either that Revenge. You want to have a point to prove. Hunger. Hunger gets you so far, it gets you so deep, it makes you dig a hole to the point you're so deep you can't even you can't even climb anymore. You can't even see the light. And that was basically the whole episode for me. Um with the guy that didn't want to go into the WWF and wanted to go to the UWF because of creative freedom, if booked right, I kind of looked at it as it could have had potential. But then the more I listened and the more I watched, it's like it became a parody of the competition. It became WCW 2000 before the year 2000. Uh. That speaks volumes, and that's bad because it, it when when it got to the part when he said when somebody said that the dude ran out of ideas, that sounds so similar of Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff, and them in '99 going on to 2000. You know, with WCW, and they were changing stuff on, and they were changing oh. stuff on the fly of the shit of the pants. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Viagra on a pole. Uh, fucking, I was watching Judy Bagwell uh, on a forklift match. Of, <laughs> yeah. I was just watching uh, <laughs> I was just watching a shitload of WCW Thunder episodes on, on YouTube because it's the only way I can watch it, you know, authentically without the whack-ass WWE Network dub theme song. Mm-hmm. And I sat and realized how many scaffold matches that they had these ridiculous matches that raise risk of injury to these superstars, to these wrestlers, professional wrestlers. You know what I'm saying? And um, Herb, and I get the motivation, and I get the hunger, and I get the determination to want to 
bring professional wrestling back to how it was or be different or be better. I get that. But I don't think it was like the right move to if Vince McMahon was selling ice cream bars, so what? That's sport entertainment shit. <laughs> I mean, if you you want to be professional wrestling, okay, I understand selling t-shirts, selling action figures. I think to me, honestly, growing up, that's that's pro, you know, pure pro wrestling. Because you don't hear a lot of independent wrestling companies having ice cream bars. You know what I'm saying? Or a cereal named after ass. And, (laughs) you know, so it's like... Yeah, I understand selling t-shirts and action figures. But when they... but when they said that they sold cookies, mm. I said to myself, this is the part where I say you went from having potential to being a complete parody to your competition. You hate the rejection so much. It consumes you so much that when you try to outdo them, you end up being the person and the things that you say that you are against. And that's called blind rage. And then all of a sudden, when that blind rage wears off and the ideas die down, you end up being in the position that Herb end up being. You're going to be laying in a hotel doing the things that would take you away from your stress and take you away from your drama and take you away from your mistakes. And that is pussy and crack. Well, crack's different from cocaine. So wait, wait, wait. Young boy, just for the viewers at home, crack and cocaine are two different things. One's actually... The soft powder, the way that it comes from the plant, and the other one, and the, and the other one, agree in cooking it in the stove top. So that's two different things. Now it wasn't like he was, so it wasn't like he had a pipe in his hand and put a rock in it and smoked. He he like legit rolled up a dollar bill and sniffed. You know what I mean? Just two, yeah, so okay. two, so two. Different, I just wanted just to put that in your head real quick before you get too really confused. And that's for the viewers. All right, got you. No. How well, how I know about this? Yeah, Don't ask. <laughs> okay. To reiterate, thank you. Pussy and cocaine. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway. For anybody that smoke weed, when you have a hard day, what do you do? You roll up one, you take and you take your mind off, and like what a good thirty minutes later, whatever was the issue and whatever was bothering you, it ain't bothering you anymore. You're happy as shit. Now, I for one never done cocaine, nor crack. Don't plan on to. Not my style. I don't know the effects, but I know that either way, in judging by the stories, it's an addiction. That is very hard to overcome, and it depending on what you do, and obviously the rates up there, it will take lives if you continue the choices and lane that you continue to go on. And then you imagine being a businessman going down that lane. 
Imagine being a businessman, making a lot of moves and dumb decisions going down that lane. The embarrassment of getting Andre the Giant and then losing him after saying he's going to wrestle just to put your brand over, that, my friend, I would probably go and dip in cocaine too. Okay, I'll be toting, I'll be, I'll be freaking Scarface, man. Dip my face in the powder, get a bagel, and make a powdered bagel or donut out of that bitch. Stress is a motherfucker. But here's the thing. That type of feeling is only temporary, depending on who you are and depending on how you decide to put your mind in My man Herbs, he you ever feel like you I'm pretty sure a lot of people know how it is to have adrenaline. This and everything that was booked in that company, I felt like it was pure pure adrenaline. Adrenaline, motivation, uh friggin' Just having a destiny, just motivation just to kill. Kill off the place that said, fuck you. And mm, pure example that sometimes grudges are silent like a fart. So silent that, okay, they'll be like, oh, is this your true motivation? No, it's not. But then when you see that you're doing the same thing that your competition is doing and you're still denying that this is not the motivation, then there's something wrong. And then you hide it behind the drugs and you hide it behind pussy because those are the things that will get your mind off it. Plug it in, plug it in, but you're going to wake up realizing you're still in some shit. So with that being said, you know, RIP to Herbie, man. And shoulda coulda woulda by the end of this episode man that's all i could have that's all i could you know that's all i could say shoulda coulda woulda been and then when they showed footages of the guy that they put together they, they didn't even have chemistry I, I, did you see that whack that that sloppy ass bulldog that they had Cactus jack showing in that little footage there in yeah. the end like if you're booking guys that didn't have chemistry with each other and you're having all these ideas that just goes to show and, and here's the biggest mistake. Anything that he found entertaining, he thinks that'll be entertaining for the masses. You think that you have this vision with two certain people. You think you think about the the money that it brings to the, you know, to the to the you know to the show, the asses they'll put onto the seats. But you don't think about the fact that if they have chemistry or not. And if you don't have chemistry, but you have two big stars who are good in their own right with people that they have chemistry with. So, you know, you have people's expectations so high, but then you put them in a match together who never had a match with each other, zero chemistry. What do you have at the end? A shit show. And that will shut your business down and have a very, very bad rep. People will talk the way you want them to. Well, not the way you want them to, but people will talk, but talk shit about your company. Now, I may not have been around around this time when this company has been around, and this docuseries will continue to educate people like myself, but what I get out of that is exactly what I'm saying, you know, and, and um, yeah, once again, shoulda, coulda, woulda, man. That's all I got to say about that. Thank you, young blood. Dukes, you got the floor, man.
Um, wow. I've watched that. I watched the whole series of um, Dark Side of the Ring. Two things came to my mind. One was funny. Remember, everybody watched um, Chappelle's show, right? Everybody watched Chappelle's mm. show. Everybody knows yeah. about the Rick James. Remember that classic yeah. line, cocaine was a hell of a drug? Mm-hmm. Well, cocaine was a hell of a drug yep. in this episode. <laughs> and, and yeah. I think that the amount of drugs that was was actually the downfall of UCF. UWF. Oh, my bad. UWF. My my bad. My bad. But it was just because of herb, herbs, <laughs> herbs. Um, vision. I see how he. I see he. He had a big. This is like some. He's a wrestling fan that want to do something for wrestling fans. A small independent company. He run a small independent company, and basically ran it to the ground like Vince Russo did at WCW. I can't say Bischoff. Bischoff, he had a good mind. He had a good mindset, but it was more Vince Russo that that killed the WCW era, especially when Vince Russo won the championship. But um, other than that, <laughs> but other than other than that, it was just how how you hear wrestlers talk about how great of a person he is to this very day. One our one one of the greatest wrestlers, probably top ten, Mick Foley. Said it himself. Basically, like he had all the, like how to put it in in a way of not, not saying anything out the ordinary. Um, he was a great human being. He loves he loves what he loves what um, wrestlers want to do. I didn't even know Jimmy Snooker was over there. I didn't know Snooker and, and Cactus Jack had a match. And I know Black Jack Mulligan was there. I'm sitting back see, I'm sitting back seeing everything. I, my whole mindset was Vince really fucked everything up for him. This is why the hatred of Vince McMahon took place. And Vince McMahon just be like, "All right, let me let me shake your hand, and you run that West Coast. I take the East, and we all combine and we all combine together. Then, then we may never know what could happen. There's always a what ifs." And what else could have been could have been a separate company, just like how you see, like a um, 
FCW. UWF. No, no, I'm no. I said FCW because. Oh, okay. Sorry, I uh, I call her, I call her, <laughs> no, I call her, I call her, I call her Mally, my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, I call on the LA <laughs> Like I said, like how FCW was to WW or OV or OVW. You had people, you had wrestlers go over to Herb, have them train over there. Then you next you know you can probably bring it to WWF or WWE. Have them train that way, they already know the ropes. But Vince was thinking, All right, if any company comes at me, I'm gonna slice their throats because you already seen what happened with Andre Giant. He made one appearance, and so Vince was like, Yeah, I, yeah, I can't have that. Does it sit there and do that? Downfall. The whole company. The amount of drugs that was on. Wow. I'm still I was still shocked to know how to how this dude can literally call one of his wrestlers. I could jump it off a hotel, I would jump it off a room, but ass naked and running in, in the middle of the streets. Jesus. He did some off the wall stuff, and, and all he think he wore was cowboy boots. I'm starting to laugh. That's like some Will Ferrell. Shit. <laughs> just, just imagine that. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. You can probably see that on some on like some SNL, Mad TV, <laughs> some parody out of this. But and no, I would think it was funny. But this is real, real stuff. That's sad. That's sad. That's not funny. That's not funny. <laughs> This is like some real actual. This is real oh, actual shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, man, that's that's wild, but that's that's fucked up. That's not funny. Like, don't do drugs, don't do drugs, kids. Kids. That, kids. No, don't. No, 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 no. Let me reiterate that. Don't shoot heroin. Don't smoke crack. Don't sniff coke. <laughs> And listen to listen to your uh your friendly neighborhood Chappelle as well. <laughs> <laughs> when I keep saying cocaine was a hell of a drug, when they say cocaine was a hell of a drug, stop it, Rick James. <laughs> I buy. <laughs> just stop it. Right I'll pop, I'll pop stop it. <laughs> no offense, but I think that was some craziness and. Herb, I give I'll give him his his due because he molded wrestlers. He see potential wrestlers that no one else can't really see. 
Now I do want I do try to find me some herb cookies as some um as a Stevie Ray Vaughn, Stevie Ray's Wild Boys um cookies and everything, but I'm um, couldn't really find them. But um, that's an amazing story, and it's it's sad to know about a man and his vision, the ups and downs of what we can literally say or say that has a strong take on what if on the what if this McMahon just said yes, you can take the West Coast. And now that's what pissed him off the handshake was that yeah, fuck you. No. And that's why he made the belt of the FU sign to it. Yep. And that was directly for this big man. But if he had like a diss track. Man, if he had the that shit like a yeah, like I say, if he had the if if he had the pieces that he needed, man, this would have been a great opportunity to literally seriously if UWF WWF and then the rise of WCW then later on ECW which companies would you rather go to? And Herb had a visionary of of a, of a big shelf and Paul Heyman. But later on had the the visionary of Vince Russo. This is a terrible story. That's all I consider to say right now. Rest in peace to um Herb. Herb Abrams, um, even though I was kind of, it was kind of crazy to know that he almost died on my birthday, and I didn't even know that, and that was when that took place. But the sad story, rest, rest heavenly in peace to, to Herb and. And shout out to all the other unknown wrestlers from UWF that could have been promising to the world that no else can't really see is that. Hey, thank you, fellas, for coming on the show, giving, you, giving us our input of what y'all experienced that dark side of the ring, the UFO, the UWF story of um, Herbie, uh, Herbie Umbers. Check them out. It's on it's on, it's on com, or you can go on YouTube and actually type in dark side of the ring. You'll find it out there. Um, we're going to be tackling the next one, which is about the... Um, What's about the Road Warriors, Hawking Animal, the Legion of Doom? So I'm kind of I'm kind of actually amped up about this one because this is the second to last one before the Owen Hart. That's the se- and that's the season finale. So and that's close to when the time that he passed away. Which matter of fact, if you think about it, his the day that he died, his anniversary is on double or nothing. It's on double or nothing night. 
May 23rd. Wow. Oh, wow. So that's going to be pretty epic to um, talk about, but later on, but after Double or Nothing is over and after the Dark Side of the Ring is over. So we're going to, you know, do our thing when the time comes for that. Um, our next episode is going to... That's the episode. <laughs> the next episode that we're going to be recording is about the, the last night's Wednesday Night War. AEW Dynamite versus WWE NXT. Who had the better cards? Who had the you know who who had the better finishes? Whether we give it, we're gonna be doing that in a few moments from now. Um, anyone y'all got y'all plugins to do? Do it now. Also, shout out to our fellow member Wise One of our OTTR and look out for his podcast coming soon in the building. So it's gonna be on Anchor and everywhere else. So coming soon. Look out for. Like, share, bookmark our product on the Anchor app. You also catch us on Spotify, Radio Public, um, Radio Public, um, podcast. You can also find us on Breaker Podcast, Google Podcast, and of course here Anchor, and now officially on SoundCloud. So check us out, give us a listen, like, retweet, like, share, heart, follow, everything, the whole nine yards. Let's get the numbers up, boys. Any plugins y'all want to do, do it now before we shut down before we shut down the studio. All right. Um, for me, of course, I would like to give a shout out to uh the gym. Even though y'all are closed, y'all kept my claws in place. Um the doctor said I can finally use a Harlem shake without falling. And I've feel like an Xbox because that was an achievement. I never thought I'd get that. Um, also, you will find me also on Clutch doing my thing. You know, since my cousin Trucho is down here, of course we're gonna be doing some shit. So you can find me there at the www.clutch.win at Youngblood0821. Just press play and please donate your quad to our system. <laughs> Alright. Um I'd like to give a shout out to um Netflix. They renewed my contract for another season of um the big big show. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um if you don't if you don't know, I will be singing soon. I'll, I'll probably be joining the Mad Singer. Um, shout, shout out to um, Angelo Dawkins because he looked like me. I'll look like him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God. You know, stop. It's not, it's not my fault. Um, All right. Gene Sh- Sh- <laughs> shut up right now. <laughs> this, this this episode is done. You're gonna catch because of this COVID nineteen situation. Wear face masks. Wear them thing. Uh, wear them gloves. Wash your hands. Wash your eyes. Have the hand sanitizers on deck. Stay six, six, six feet away from people. And please be considerate of others' lives and needs and shit like that. Let's all work together to get through this. But at the same time. Let me still milk these benefits on their side. No, no, I'll say nevertheless. 
Um, and of course, as one beloved talk show host was told me, told you, so is this big show, Gene Snitsky motherfucker back there, <laughs> and millions of people back there around the world <laughs> when we were kids. Take care of yourself and each other.